podcast. I'm Vanessa Weisbrod, and I'm here with our very special guest today, Amy Zamath, the Director of Early Childhood Education at Temple Sinai in Summit, New Jersey. Welcome, Amy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thanks. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> so the reason why I'm sitting here in Summit, New Jersey with Amy is because my son, Brandon, was diagnosed with celiac disease back in October. And having worked at Children's National for the last eight years with the celiac program, I've met a lot of families who have young children who go to school. And I hear stories and more stories about what a horrible experience it was for them to get their child safe food. So when Brandon was diagnosed, I was expecting everyone to look at me like I had three heads and say, well, we can't do that. Or no, he can't eat that at school and just be told no, 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 and no. And I had the complete opposite experience (laughs) as to what I was expecting. And I actually think that what you've done here is really a model for how other schools should be doing it. I want to share with everybody who's listening how you've created such a wonderful allergen-free protocol here and made it such a warm and welcoming place for kids with food allergies. Okay. (laughs) It's just what we do, so I'm not sure I have a formula for you, but I can tell you our thought process. Yeah, so tell me, walk me through what happens when a parent calls you and tells you that their child is diagnosed with a food allergy. I don't know that... It typically happens after a child is enrolled. I'm not sure if I've had that situation before. Often parents come to us beforehand and say, will you accommodate a food allergy in our program? And honestly, it hasn't occurred to me to say no. I say, what do you need? What's the allergy? I have experience with that. I don't. Can you educate me more? Um, I know in terms of nut allergies, we are in a shared space, so I can never promise that we are anything free, but I can promise to be allergy sensitive and allergy aware and that we will control the environment to the extent that we can while a children is while a child is in the building with us. That's really great. So now when a parent calls you, is the first step, you know, with us, you set up a meeting the next day with Brandon's teachers. Is that the normal thing? Do parents come in and talk to you or what, is, what do you ask parents to do? If it's before enrollment, usually a conversation takes place during and after the tour because it's high on a parent's priority list if they have a child, particularly with some kind of life-threatening, any kind of life-threatening medical condition, we'll have the first conversation then. Ultimately, when we want to get down to the plan and the nitty-gritty, we'll have a second conversation. Second conversation is usually between me and a parent so that I know that I can fully understand um, what's being asked and I can be honest about what we can provide and then the third conversation is a conversation with the parents and at least one of the teachers in the classroom and I have already thought through what I'm willing to have our school commit to and share that to some extent with the teacher so we come into the meeting on the same page. That's great. So typically what are things that the school provides versus what you ask the parents to provide? We have never had, in terms of nut allergies, we've never had foods that contain nuts. So that's an easy thing for us as we're, as we're providing snacks and um, any other kinds of special foods, nothing contain nuts. That's an easy one. But in the past two years as we've had children with celiac, we've always had 
foods that contain gluten. We have a few snacks that don't contain either naturally or intentionally contain gluten. Unfortunately, budget-wise, I can't promise to be able to accommodate every single hour because it's not affordable. I wish it were. Uh, We do our best work with the parents, and I think that what has worked out so well for us is because we're trying to do as much as we can, and I'm very transparent about it. Our parents have always said, let me meet you halfway or let me meet you 90% of the way as it's worked out. Um, so I don't, I don't, I, I haven't thought about it consciously again. Yeah. We do. I think that for me as a parent, it was amazing that, you know, you welcomed us to come in and talk to you and educate your team about what we expected for keeping Brandon safe. Um, and it was amazing that, that you and the teachers all, we're thrilled to accommodate him and, you know, find a way to make him feel like he was a part of the class, even though, you know, his food might look a little bit different. Um, and, you know, that one of the conversations that we have all the time with parents is about the financial elements of it, because it is much more expensive um, to order the gluten-free specialty products. Um, so I think it was wonderful when we went through your pantry and there were, you know, Cheerios that had the big gluten-free stamp on them. And, you know, also that you focus on, on healthy things too. So I know Brandon eats, you know, clementines a lot in class and apples and things that are naturally, uh, gluten-free. All so, of the children actually in the class. Yes. It's part of our nutrition program, which works out really well because it's naturally not enrolling out any of the children because they can all eat it. Right. So now I know that when Brandon was first diagnosed, a letter went home to the parents in his class, letting him, them know that there was a child who needed to be on a gluten-free diet. And I was so thankful for that because since that happened, every time there's been a birthday party or there's been a celebration, the parents have brought a gluten-free treat so that Brandon could eat it too. And the teachers actually still tease that they have all the muffins and specialty things that I brought still in the freezer because all the parents just brought naturally gluten-free things to eat. Is that something that you see consistent in other classrooms where there are kids with food allergies or am I in a really lucky class? No, I do see that. Um, A piece of it is having the permission to share that information and I've never had a parent of a child with a food allergy who has said, don't send the letter home. To be clear, I didn't say, Brandon Weisbrod was diagnosed, so there wasn't an announcement, there there were no HIP issues. But I did have all of our parents say, yes, please do. And so that that opportunity to work together to create this environment, I feel lucky also. Our Our teachers place priority not only on the fact that the kids are going to be physically healthy, but that they also feel part of a community. Mm -hmm. So it's natural. In anticipation of our conversation, I did speak with a couple of the teachers, Mm -hmm. and they looked at me also the same way I looked at you when you said that this was unique. They said, well, what else are we going to do? So I think a piece of this is, is Part, I want to believe that a piece of this is part of the culture in our program, that these are our children when you give them to us. You lend them to us for the day, and we want to do what we would want someone else to do with our children. 
and when we lend them. So for families that we speak to who have a really hard time getting their schools to make accommodations for kids, do you have any advice for ways that parents can talk to their schools to make it something they might be more able to? I think I think a piece of what makes it easier here with our staff is also there isn't a sense of fear. Mm-hmm. We're with kids who have anaphylactic allergies, we're CPR trained, we're uh, EpiPen trained. We they know they have the backing of administration here, so it's not the sense of oh my gosh, I don't want to feed children with allergies anything because I don't want to screw up and have their be a significant problem. So I think a piece of that is a sense of I will educate you so that you will be comfortable that you can keep my child safe. And once a teacher, it's a big responsibility to have the love of somebody else's life in your care. Once a teacher and maybe the administration has a sense of I've got this. I know that even though I haven't had experience or I have had experience, I can keep the love of your life and that's the safe, then there's a sense of, okay, I'm willing to step outside what we typically do because I know that I can make good decisions on behalf of the child. That's really, really important. Um, so one of the things that I've been really impressed with is how through coming to school, Brandon has really learned how to talk about being gluten-free. And, you know, like he and I have conversations at home about explaining it to, you know, his friends. But what I found to be the most interesting is how he explains how Miss Lisa and Miss Natalie talk about him being gluten-free. Is that a conversation that you talk to the teachers about and how to talk to the kids about the food that they need to eat? Or has that just been something that Brandon has picked up on himself? In Brandon's case, I don't believe that we had a specific conversation, Lisa, Natalie, and I. We do talk about, um, because many of the children have lunch at school, Mm -hmm. we do talk to the kids regularly about different people have different lunches. In my old school, we used to say, don't yuck my yum, just because you don't like what I'm eating. But we also talk about why we eat certain things. Sometimes I'll go in the classroom and eat with the kids and say, yeah, I don't like that. Well, I eat it because it has protein and it makes my muscles strong. So perhaps it has come out in the conversations that we encourage to take place at lunchtime. Why do we Mm -hmm. eat certain things? This gives you energy. This has vitamins. This has protein. Um, But I, it was not an explicit conversation in Brandon's case. That's really wonderful that I love the way that you guys talk about food and make it, you know, such a part of their, of their day. And, you know, I do think that that's a big part of the culture here is being accepting of everyone and what they, what they need to be healthy and strong. And what we as adults need to be healthy and strong. Absolutely. Um, So you may not have run across this scenario yet, but if you had a child at the school who on their own was not being compliant and you saw it, how would you encourage them to be more compliant with their diet to stay safe? How would I encourage the child in the classroom, in our building to do that? Yes. Like if at Shabbat you saw that child grabbing for the regular challah and eating it. 
I say this sarcastically, but it's amazing that every single child in our school has an issue that I had at the same age that that child had it. So I probably would turn it around. Oh my gosh, when I was four, I wanted to eat that challah also, but when my belly hurt, I decided it was not worth it. And I would probably turn it into you're not alone. This is a good choice for you. Um, if that didn't work, I'd work with the parents because I know that it's, if it's happening in school, it's not an isolated incident. Um, but yes, usually it's usually it ends up being about me when I was because somehow then when I'm not the old lady, but when I talk to them about being four, they think maybe yeah, it's okay. <laughs> so if a child were to accidentally eat an allergen-containing food at school um, and they got sick, how do you handle that with parents? Thank goodness this is all hypothetical to me. It's not, it, obviously, something I've thought about. Um, we have, for any children who have anaphylactic mm-hmm. allergies, we have plans from the doctor. We know exactly, based on symptoms, what to provide. If, um, in the case of a child with celiac, I would contact the parent right away because, in truth, I wouldn't know what the first immediate response would be except contact the parent. Once it's ingested, I don't know that there's anything that makes it come out until it comes out on its own. Nope, there's Um, nothing that will make it better. (laughs) Right, but that I would would have information for the parent. This was ingested. This is approximately the quantity. This is how this accident occurred. And I would also have what we will put in place so that it won't happen again. Have you found that being able to accommodate kids with allergies has been a burden for you? And, you know, if so, how have you dealt with that? And if not, how would you encourage other administrators at schools to embrace this? It hasn't been a burden. It has required a change in thinking as new situations occur. That's every day in education there's a change in thinking there's always something new that occurs but it has required a level of planning that hasn't been in place before and I wish I could say that we're 100% spot on we're not there are times where I've looked up and I thought oh geez there I missed that one next year notes itself don't do it again next year um what would I, I have teachers, again, who once the fear is gone, once the fear of the responsibility is gone, and I think that's, I see, I hadn't thought about this before, but I see that that's a theme, and I guess that's what really resonates with me. If I can feel comfortable that I have the education necessary from the parents and from any other sources that I can make the teachers feel comfortable, then, or at least feel that they have backing and a resource in me, right. and also to encourage the relationship between the teachers and the parents for small school, we have the luxury right. of doing that. It's the fear. Yeah. It's the fear, it's the worry that I'm going to screw up. And, oh, nice language. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm going to make a mistake. Um, and now that I'm over that not less vigilant but more confident in my knowledge and that's what i recommend to other administrators learn ask the questions i have yes, an experience with the parents of a child in 
analogy where the parent has been frustrated by asking more questions. Right. I have yet to have an experience where I say, could you look at one more allergy list? And the parent says, get away from me. In fact, they think, sometimes they'll say, you're a lot more careful than I am. But I don't sense frustration. Yeah. And that has made it not a burden. It's made it community. Right? Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Because as a parent, I feel very comfortable in the community that I know that Brandon will be safe at school and at all of the special events that the school has. Um, just one other thing I want to mention to parents who are listening that I have to school. Um, you know, I brought in muffins and treats that, that Brandon could have in case another child's parent brought in something he couldn't have for a birthday party. Um, for special events, I've brought in breads for him. Um, I provided all the teachers with bags of gluten-free flour. So if they were cooking in the classroom, they could make that adjustment. Um, and I just, I want parents to know that if you're not in a financial place to be able to make those accommodations, please contact us at the Celiac Program at Children's National. We're able to help you get those things um, at a price that's more affordable for you. Um, so Amy, is there anything else that you can share with parents or administrators who are listening that you think they need to know about safely accommodating kids? With parents, I say, come prepared to educate. Come prepared to give teachers and administrators the confidence that they can um, support your child in an environment in the school environment. And for administrators, what I say, I would say, keep asking the questions. The more you ask the questions, the more you realize that you already knew the answers. And when I made the transition from asking the questions because I didn't know the answers to asking the questions to confirm that I did know the answers, suddenly, suddenly it was easy. Suddenly it came from conscious effort to natural diligence. And I can't tell you when it happened, but it happened by having parents as a resource. So what I hear you saying is that it's a partnership and that you have to work together to make sure that the, ch the children are safe and have a great experience. And I'll put in one more pitch from the school's point of view. Let the school know if it's true that you do have confidence that they can do this. Trust that the school really wants to do, if it's true, that the school really wants to make your child part of the community and really is trying its very best, given the resources, to make it work because from our side of the table, when we feel trusted and respected and when the assumption from the parents is that you want to do the best thing you can for this child, it's so much easier to take that next step. That's great. Well, thank you so much for all of this very valuable information, Amy. I know it's going to help a lot of parents come with sending their kids to school. It was my pleasure. All right. And thank you again. This is the Gluten-Free Guide podcast coming to you from Children's National Health System in Washington, D.C. Have a great day.
now. Insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. Hardship. My grandmother would go through it every month to pay her insurance bill. First, she would handwrite a paper check, in cursive. Then, using her own tongue, she would wet a stamp for an envelope. Today, however, we need not weary our hands and tongues. Today, we can pay our GEICO bill with the GEICO app. Away with hardship, in with bill pay on the GEICO app. Thank you.